When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar. Text the word grade to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use. Text grade to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text grade to 323232 right now and get started for just one dollar. Text grade to 323232 now. Text grade to 323232. Hi, yes, indeed. Tony B, what's up? It is the CBC Wisdom Hour, number 192 for January 17th, Tuesday, 2023. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Yeah, and I'm Tony B in New Jersey. What's happening? What's up, dude? We got a great show today. I can't wait to talk. A great show every day you're talking about. Right, but this is extra special. Extra today. special, stellar show tonight. Yeah. If you're joining us live, we are streaming right now on the Cover Band Central Facebook page in the Cover Band Central Facebook Facebook group and on the Cover Band Central YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel. I did not put a link this time in the description. Uh, you can search YouTube, search Cover Band Central, you'll find us and uh, do that. If you're coming in here live, come on in and, and say hello like Elizabeth did. She says, well, good evening. evening Elizabeth Liz. is here yeah. every week. Everybody else, come on in and say hello. Tell us where you're from. Yeah. And we will say hello back. We'll bring you into the conversation even if you have something cool to say or a question to ask. You might have a question for our guest today. And what am I talking about, Tony? You're talking about our special guest tonight, Steve. Which we have a special guest. Ball. Yes. Mr. Paul Riario, who is uh, uh, the tech editor for Guitar World magazine and has been for over 25 years. Wow. And we're going to talk about why it's a dream job and why it's the best dream job with Paul. And he's also a fantastic guitar player and plays uh, currently in a 
band in New Jersey called Super Trans Am cover band. They are the 70s concert experience. That's their deal. And it is the the elite top-notch players in Jersey that he's playing with. James McGill, Lance Howland, Stark on drums, Bobby August on bass and vocals. Um, all those guys are veterans of the scene, and they're great. And I've seen some video clips of this band, and just fantastic. But let's show a little bit of Paul real quick here and uh, before we bring him in. So let's people a little know. sneak peek. Yeah. Where is it on my computer? Here it is. Hey, what's up? It's Paul from Guitar World, and today we're going to be checking out the real classic, the Gibson 60th anniversary, 1959, Les Paul Standard. Yes, a very cool guitar. That is a sweet guitar, Paul. Yeah, sure is, man. There he is, Paul Riera to the show. (sighs) How much, are you at home right now? I am at home. That's- so that's all your gear. How much gear, how many rooms in your house are filled to the ceiling with gear? Man, uh, <laughs> I have to be, have to be very wary of what I say. Yeah. I mean, I got, I do have a lot of gear. I mean, I, I tend to separate my gear as an incoming, outgoing, and then keeping, you know, my own stash. Ah. So, that's how it is. I mean, because I have so I usually get, I usually just get so much gear that comes in, and then there's a bunch of stuff that kind of sits uh, in the sort of the you know on the flight deck that that's got to go back. But, right. Mm. So you get loaned gear to do your uh, reviews, but I imagine quite often they give it to you. Um, it used to be back in the early days. I would get I would get a lot more now. Companies, because of where companies are at, things have tightened up a bit, so it's not as it's not as generous. It's just like like if, if you've ever been to a NAM show, sure. Uh, back in the early days when I used to go to the early NAM shows, I mean, I would literally send home, like ship home boxes and boxes of stuff that I just got at the NAM show, just like just things that that they that companies would give out at their booths and stuff and it was just a lot of fun stuff everything from like ski goggles to remote controlled cars with like a company just insane yeah. amount of like like a you know collectible stuff that companies kind of you know kind of made for the show now when you go to the NAM show it's sort of like you you you, like, you go to a booth and you're like can I take this pick and they're like no, <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna need to keep it here. We don't have a lot of picks. But, here. but back in the '90s, Paul, you're right. Like '90s and 2000s, right? They used to give the stuff away. They used to have tons of stuff. Oh yeah, it was just a, yeah, just an insane amount of stuff that they would. Well, I mean, it was just again, it was just. I don't want to say that like any of that kind of stuff would be it would influence me and in how I would review it. But it was a nice. Sometimes it was. Sometimes it would just be. It would be more of a of a thing like you know, hey, I, this guitar that I just reviewed with you guys is just fantastic. You know. Can I, you know, can I buy it? Can, you know, what can we, can work out something? And they're just like, let's just keep it, dude, you know, and just use it on, use it on, use it on at the mag and, and whatever. And I'm just like, okay, well, wow. that, that's, that's, cool. that's kind of cool. That's so, cool. That's, yeah. that's, that's like for a lot of musicians, you're a kid in the candy store and, you know, you get to just sample yeah. new gear a lot of times before anybody else does and then, uh, and then review it. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about that more, but I want to go back to our history. I want to oh, start there from, uh, we were talking just before we went live with Tony's history and we'll get to that, Tony, but I want to talk about my history with Paul. Paul and I both played in original bands in North Jersey in the late 80s, and 
Um, I, now, Paul, am I allowed to say the name of your band? Of course. Yeah, of course. I, okay. I didn't know, you know, how you I, feel about it. It's, it's embarrassing for me, but <laughs> I, I can wear, I can wear this, I can wear the stripes of it at this, you know, I've reconciled all those demons. Okay. Nice. So, all right. So I played in bed with Little Sister, which was the, the singer was Janet Rains, the late Janet Rains, uh, later known as Jane Train. Um, and, we played on the scene and, uh, Paul played in a band called Cleavage. And our for when I joined Little Sister, within a month, maybe a few weeks even, we went into the studio. That was Janet's big thing. We had to record music and we had a couple of songs and we went to the studio by this, uh, this guy's name was Larry Gancy and he was the singer of this band Cleavage. And that's, I believe that's how we probably met there at the studio, even before Studio One. I don't recall a specific time. I mean, that was how many years ago was that? 80, 88 probably, right? So, at least, yeah, at least so 88. 12, 12, yeah, 35 years ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so we kind of like you and I, Paul, we never like really hung out or other than, you know, seeing each other at Studio One or, or at the studio or whatever. Um, but you would hang out with Janet, you know, once in a while and then come over to the house where we were. And we would see each other in passing and stuff. So we knew each other, um, that way. And, uh, Paul, you know, Cleavage was great. The band was great. Paul was a, an exceptional guitar player. You know, he had the hair, dude. You had the coolest hair. I had crazy, I had crazy long hair back then. Yeah. What happened to all that hair? Where'd it go? I, uh, cut that hair. I, I, in 1997, I decided it was, you know, you get to the point. I mean, well, not for you, but for me, it got to the point where, I started to realize that I've been wearing my hair in a ponytail more than I would have it out long. So I was just like, I do that too. I just yeah. like, you know what? And then, you know, at the time, I think the, it was fashionable to start cutting your hair. And so I just did that whole, I did the very radio head mop, mop to look at that point in 97, mm. somewhere around there. I kind of did that Johnny Greenwood ish type of thing cut. Uh, but yeah, you know, I had the, it was fun having long hair and that those times are great. And, and like you said, yeah, we, I, we, we probably met through Larry, but you know, at the time I, you know, Janet and I were kind of dating and, uh, and that's how I kind of, and I would spend a lot of time coming over to your, to you and Jeff's place, right? Cause you were living with Jeff. If I'm Yeah. Jeff and I shared this tiny room. You were in it. You know, because yeah. you had to walk it through that room to get to that little rehearsal space that we had. Yeah, exactly. And it was Janet's mom's house. Right, right, and right. It was in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey. And we had this tiny room, Jeff and I, for two years. We, 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 that was where we lived because we were both like stupid, mus- poor musicians. We had jobs, but you know, we were like, you know. Well, our, I, mean, I was, I was, I was rather, you know, like it was envious to me because like the fact that you two bonded very quickly as, you know, as sort of a, a, a songwriting team and just, or as a, you know, as a band, you know, and I thought that was kind of cool. It made, it, it made you and the band become more of that, that band vibe, you know, whereas, uh, cleavage was, was like boot camp. <laughs> it was always like, okay. Larry was just, Larry was a drill sergeant with us and, you know, we were just like wild musicians in the sense that we liked, we spent, we had more fun being experimental before we had actually had to sit down and start writing songs. And then Larry would kind of rein us in and get that thing. I don't, I don't, you know, at that time, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge Larry any of it because Larry was, you know, we needed a guy like Larry to kind of keep us in focused and, and keep us, uh, 
musically tight and stuff like that. And he definitely really taught us a lot, which which carries on to this day. I learned a lot working with him, even though I couldn't stand the name. <laughs> he hated the name of the band. I fought him on the name of the band. I fought him on a lot of different things, but it was just, but, uh, but at the time, you know, uh, you don't, you just don't know. You, you know, it was a, it was no, a weird it's, time. It's interesting when you say about living together as a band, how that accelerates and, you know, forms a better bond for creative, you know, licensing in that regard. Because I remember I had a friend, Chris, whose cousin was Gary Sharon from Extreme and mm-hmm. Nuno and lived at his aunt's house for like two years while they were putting Extreme together. And they wrote a bunch of the, the hits during that time that they lived together when they were just hanging out and jamming and, and just, you know, in that creative element, you know, and he said it was it was without that, they probably wouldn't have had Extreme. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with that. And like, and that came from me a little bit later when I went into the, the band after, well, not so much. I went after Cleavage, I went into this band called Push. And then and we could probably talk about that. But then after Push, I went into Cloud, this band called Cloud Nine, where all the guys kind of live together. And, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and, you know, though I did not necessarily live with them technically, they were so close that I was at the house almost every day. So it was like yeah. practically living. And then, and I, and yeah, and as you said, there's this, there's sort of a, there's a chemistry that you develop when you are surrounded by, you know, this, this brotherhood of musicians, you know, that you, that you spend a lot of time with and you start to like anything. It's like a team, like a, like a, like a football team. You spend a lot of time, you start to, know the moves you start to know what you know where where you need to be and how you and and, how, and you start to get better and suddenly you're a well-oiled machine and, and that's a beautiful thing that was the thing with little sister we practiced so much in that house like three nights a week i would say and we did you know chore- choreography there every single kick drum was accounted for you know that worked on harmonies there but jeff and i were, were best friends at the time and we still are i still talk to jeff once a week i told him that we were having you on today, so he, hopefully he's watching. Uh, he can comment <laughs> if. Um, and uh, but you're right. I mean, yeah, that chemistry. And man, I tell you, Paul, if I had a time machine, I would love to go back to just one night of them, like in '89 to Studio One, oh, when yeah. maybe you and your band was playing and my band was playing, and we were hanging out at that bar and just experience that again because it was just it was such a magical time. But it was. We didn't know it at the time. I don't think. I mean, it's funny. I think about that often. You know, it's funny. Like I, I sometimes, you know, you think about those things. Sometimes you, your me- memories are like, like, like these door head, these uh, door doors in your brain, like this endless. And sometimes you open these doors, or something. Someone triggers something where you open yourself a door, and you look in and you see a certain memory. Yeah. It's like you can't necessarily go in and live in the memory necessarily, but you get this glimpse, and you're like. Oh, I just want to go back in there, but the door shuts just as soon as it opens. And so, yeah. well, thankful we had those memories, right? Because a lot of people did not get to experience the things that we have, you know. No, and I think that's what's so wonderful about that time. And you know, and Steve is right. I mean, I think there, there is those like I wish you could sometimes go back and sometimes you so you don't fully appreciate it when you're there, but then you like now that you think about it, you're like, wow, that was. That was something. That well, was really there something. was a struggle of the cover versus original scene, right? Because I was in an original band called Eye of the Storm, and we played that whole circuit of the Studio Ones and the cricket clubs and all the original clubs, you know. And we used to headline. Mike Wilson was the promoter on a lot of those shows. And, uh, yeah, it was such a great time. I mean, it was so many great bands, so many great memories. I made, you know, so many great friends from that era 
that I wouldn't have otherwise met had I not played those gigs, you know, and, and subsequently introduced to people from people I met at those gigs who became instrumental in my life years later, you know, so it was just a really awesome time. I mean, think about it. we used to play the cricket club packed to like 600 people with original, all original bands. There was not one cover band on on the venue. You know? Yeah, well, back then, that's what we all did. No one, it really, yeah. the, cover, the cover circuit really wasn't as fleshed out as it is now. Back then, everyone was just, as far as I can remember, I mean. It was all original. Everyone was, was doing original. their own thing, yeah. Everyone really, was really fighting. It was all a bunch of sharks just trying to. Hey, folks, Stephanie Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. We were all trying to be rock stars, and that was the thing to do then. The late 80s, it was the bombastic music, the glam, the over-the-top stage shows, the, you know, the party music. Oh, too. All the bands were different. Like, you'd play Studio One with five or six original bands, and they didn't sound alike. They all right. sounded really yeah. different from one another, you know? No, I mean, there was a lot of it. It was the hair, the look, the the, the attitude. You know, there was an overall vibe. And, you know, and, and that's the other thing, too, that was always interesting about that time of the 80s was the characters, right? There's just a, oh, a, yeah. a wide variety of people that would, that would kind of come in and out of your, you know, out of your, out of your life. You know, they're just sort of these strange characters, some helpful and some deterrence, you know, it's just right. kind of just, you kind of, it was, it was a great learning experience being able to, you know, sort of flesh out, you know, well, this guy is just, you know, he's a, you know, a time suck and energy vampire. And this guy's, you know, this, this guy should hang out a lot more with you. I might, you know, work, might get somewhere, you know, by hanging here. You know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the experience that we got as live performers to back then as really oh, yeah. we were kids, you know, we got a really good, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, boot camp when we were talking earlier about, uh, the, you know, your other, about cleavage. Um, but that was kind of boot camp going in and, you know, we were, there were national acts that came through Studio One where you and I played and we would be opening for those national acts. In fact, there was a night, where push was all, on. I'm not only if you were friends with Pete Tertia, yeah. were you going to open for a national act? <laughs> but there was a night where push was on the bill, and I don't know if you were in the band at the time or not. But it was Danger Danger was the headlining, and that was the peak of their stardom. They had Naughty Naughty. It was a big MTV hit. They were on tour. They played Studio yeah. One, and it was put, uh, Danger Danger, Push, and Little Sister playing. And then I think there was a band before us too. And and I remember this vividly. Pete Tertia coming in and um, telling us, like, you guys got to go on next uh, to us because everything was late, was running late, and Push got pushed, either booted from the gig or he had to play after Danger Danger. So we ended up, as Little Sister, getting the, the prime spot right before Danger Danger. The room was jam-packed, and, and we killed it out there. But I'm lucky enough to have some uh, full videos of, full shows on video of three 
different little sister shows. So sometimes I'll put my headphones on, turn the lights up, put it on my Mac here and watch it. And, and I kind of get transported back to that time watching it. But then I watch it and I'm like, how did I know how to do all that shit when I was 22 or whatever age I was? Because you used to practice, practice, practice. Yeah, that was it. But that was notorious for clubs because, like, you and I talked about, Steve, I don't know if Paul ever heard the story. We did the same thing at Cricket Club with American Angel, and they were running late, and they were like, you got to go on right now. We went on in the prime slot right before them. Place was packed, and it was daylight savings time. And American Angel got on the stage and played one song, and the cops came and closed it down. Oh, brutal. Because the, the, the clocks had gone forward, and it was they were wow. like, you're closed. The show's over. Wow. And it was like almost like a riot at the Cricket Club because all those people, they get to see one song. Yeah. So, so, but then talking about going transitioning into the cover band thing being the primary thing, and that kind of started in the early '90s. And for us in North yeah. Jersey, it was like um, Dog Voices, uh, who was uh, uh, Voices before that. They played covers, and they used to pack rooms, and that's when that thing happened. So, when did Paul? When did it happen for you? What was the first cover band that really got you kind of into that scene? Um. Let's see. Well, okay. So, I mean, <clears throat> I'll backtrack a little bit. So the, when I was saying it, you know, after I did cleavage, I, at one point in my life, I, I decided, you know, I was like, I, I, I said to myself, you know, if I don't make, I, it, it was a very wise choice, but it, it was like, I said to myself, if I don't make it, you know, if I don't become successful or, or famous by 25, I put that goal out for me. If I don't, if nothing happens at 25, I'll go back to school and, and whatever and, and see when, see where the chips fall. Uh, so that was, uh, 1993, I think around that. So I came, we were so close, uh, with cloud nine, everything, just a couple unfortunate, you know, circumstances happened. And, um, and then, the band ended. Well, it got to the point where I just, you know, I looked at the guys and I was like, you know what? You don't need me anymore. I'm, uh, I'm going back to school. And, you know, it's like, you know, being, be doing this kind of stuff is a young man's game. If you don't make it at 25, you know, you don't make it. That's how I felt. And that was kind of the truth back then in a way. Now if the thing, things have shifted, you see bands like Maroon 5 or, or, or like Coldplay where some of the members are much older. They still continue. Right. But, Back then, you know, it was just the being famous was for young people. And I just was I just said no. So I went back to school. And of course, you know, the minute I I, I kind of bowed out of doing originals, uh, I, uh, I got calls. And, and the first call was from a band uh, from the band called Straight Face. OK, I remember oh, yeah, Straight sure. Face. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was with uh, was that Dewey playing drums? Well, while Dewey was out. Dewey was out. The only guy left was Joe was Joe Zettel, uh, the singer. I remember um, the name. I can't picture him. He was yeah. he was from he was they well they were originally they were of course the same thing happened to them they were originally an original band called Lady Killer, uh, like a metal band and then they found just like like Dog Voices or Voices did they started doing covers and they when you know Dewey was in the band Maz Steve Maz and right sure uh, and and uh, you know. They, 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 they got quite a following and, and, uh, an audience. And I can, I don't know what the falling out was, but Joe just called me up and he assembled a whole bunch of new players and he says, I want you in the band, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I went down to, I went down to, I didn't have to try out. They just like, you're in. And I was just like, uh, I just got together and, and we started playing the songs. And next thing you know, I'm on the cover circuit. And, uh, 
and then from there it just it just became different bands, you know, as we as I went along as it as I went along. And those were different venues too, Paul. Back in the day, right? You used to play like Wild Mike's was a big venue for original bands back then. Yeah, yeah, like you know, um, what was it? Mothers and Wayne, yeah, uh, Wally's, yeah, uh, Johnny A's and Bergenfield. Yeah, the Bizarre Bar. It was all these. Uh, yeah, and then, Bizarre and then, Bar, and Lodi. Yeah, yep. was it Birch Hill? I mean, like oh, Birch Hill. Just, Fireside. Yeah. Did you play the yeah. Fireside? Fireside, of course, yeah. 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 Fireside. Fireside was like my home away from home because that's around where I live. Um, but I gotta, I gotta tell a story. I gotta apologize to you. I have two things to apologize to you for, <laughs> yeah. Paul. And I've been waiting years and years to do oh, this. Yeah. Um, so this was, uh, fast forwarding a little bit. This was, uh, I want to say it was 2009. And I did this thing, Tony, where I, uh, went and helped at, at a, a, how do I say this? Well, it was a porn expo. It was Exotica. It was porn stars in this convention center. And my job was the shuttle driver. I was shuttling the porn stars from the hotel to the event and back. In fact, one girl, I, one girl I had to, excellent. One girl I had to drive to the airport. So at the end of this, at, at night, I guess there was some sort of, ga- I'm hoping I remember this correctly, boy. There was some sort of gathering. I think it was in a hotel. For, for the, you know, the after party kind of thing. And I was there drinking, you know, and I was probably a little tipsy and Paul's band was playing there. What was the name of that band? Monster. Monster, right? And that was, was that with Kathy playing bass? I was with Kathy playing bass. Okay. So, cause I know Kathy now. Kathy works actually with me with, with Cover Band Central. We do stuff together. So it's funny how things come together, but. In the world. Yeah. So they're playing, you know, this band monster, they're playing covers at this party and there's all these hot chicks, you know, and I wasn't trying to hook up with a porn star, but I was a little drunk. So I was like, you know, I'm trying to at least impress somebody like to get some attention anyway, because I was just the shuttle driver, you know, who the hell am I? Um, so I go to Paul and I asked him, I was like, and I don't know if it was during when you were playing or if it was on break or something, but I talked to, I was like, Paul, can, can I come up and play? And the look you gave me was like, as if I just asked to sleep with your brother or you know, <laughs> And I was like, and I just felt so bad because you were, it seemed like for you, to me, it seemed like, like, why would anybody ask that question? How could you possibly think that that's even a a possibility? That's the impression I got. I don't know if that was true about how you felt, but, but, but you gave some, I mean, you were polite about it. You gave some real, like, I'm not sure if we can, and you know, and that was the extent of that. But I remember just feeling bad about it later. I was like, wow, he must think I'm such a jerk. Like for just like trying to impede on his show. Like, let me come up and play. Let's make it about me. I see. You know, and I didn't even know Paul back then. I overheard him saying at a party one time. He was like, yeah, this bass player came up to you one time in this expo and was like bugging me to play. And oh, I just, you know, I want no part of it. No, my recollection of that of of that gig, I don't remember. I I don't remember you asking me that, and I and most likely, if if you did, I I would I would probably it was more of the question of whether Kathy was cool with you playing bass. So I was like, I to me, like, look, the monster at by that time was just like you know whatever goes. It's fine. It was fun. You know, we just had a. <laughs> that I believe that's Kathy. Let me see if that's her. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure who that is. I have to, but, have to uh, go to a different screen. But go ahead. But um, yeah, I don't remember. It. I I would figure you would defer to Kathy. But it was a gig that Dan Davis had gotten us because he was kind yeah. of putting that uh, whole thing together. So I didn't know the parameters of what what I was allowed or not allowed to do because usually when you 
you know, it's funny, even though it's like, you know, you can sit there and, and mock it. It's a porn convention. It was, it was, there was just some very, there's some, there's a, a whole lot of seriousness going on, you know, because that the party we played was Jesse Jane's, her after party. It was her private after party. And we, she selected whatever had us play it. And it was, it was just, for me, it was a bizarre experience. <laughs> porn convention because you, you have to imagine you know you have to you have to look at it in the in the sense that you know we, we, we all watched porn when we were younger and you just imagine being in a room you know in a sort of this bar area right and you're just staring and you're looking you're like kind of scanning the room and you're like oh i know you <laughs> like, oh, oh i know you Oh, you, you are fantastic. Uh, yeah. So it's like, you're like, you just said, so it gets really weird. You're like, see all these stars that you've seen on the screen, you know, and they're like, there they are. And you're like, oh shit. And so. But from your perspective too, in the band, it's a big deal for your cover band to be playing this gig. Like you said, it's a bizarre gig, but nonetheless, it's like, Hey man, I'm playing this, you know, after party at, at the adult expo. Yeah, I don't know if it you was – to me, like the gigs are very funny. I don't know whether it was a big deal or more that. I, I've always looked at gigs as sort of uh, like things like that as as things that you always are as stories, right? These are things that you can revisit at, with, at the recollection of having yeah. d- done something kind of fun, and that's how you know it's sort of like I I did that. Yes, I don't know if there was a sort of sacredness to it, but there but there is there is a bit of the like the the, the novelty of what of, of what you're doing. You know, it's like. It's like it's like kind of like when Spinal Tap or when you watch like the decline of Western civilization. These guys like talk about these places and they they have their their recollections tend to be more funny as opposed to being like mm. you know exalted. Like they're like, yeah, we did that and it was fun. You know, it's, it's a part. You know, but even like, forty years later, both you guys recollected, so it must have must have really stood out. Oh yeah, and no, that was two thousand nine. So it was know? it wasn't that long ago. It was oh, yeah, so it was eleven, way, twelve, way thirteen, back. fourteen okay, years so. ago. It was right before I moved to New Orleans. Good. Yeah, no, it's the point is like you sometimes you just do these gigs just, you know, I may not get paid a lot, but I'm doing it for the story, you know, at the end of the day. If at the end, like, I'm going to be able to tell this story to somebody, you know, somebody. That's all it's about is stories. And Kathy said she got hugged by Ron Jeremy. Did you get a hug too, Paul, from, uh, (laughs) so that, you know, that's funny that she's saying that because the, 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 the funny thing is me, I think me and Kathy both said the same thing, you know, we, he, we, we find like Ron Jeremy kind of slithering around the joint and we go, Oh, look, Ron Jeremy, we should get a picture with him. And, and no joke, I'm sure Kathy will can confer, uh, that he smelled so terrible. Oh, like he had this, this, like he had this terrible, like this, whatever cologne he was wearing, like this musky seventies era, like, the equivalent of a Dracar Noir or like a, you know, polo, like the polo sport that he was, he was just, he was just reeked of it. And it kind of smelled like you'd expect him to just from the like, way he yeah, looked, I right? Like, I don't know how any. Hey, there's worse things he could have smelled like too. So that is true, but he just stunk to high heaven. My God. Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I remember seeing him at the, during the day at the expo. I don't remember much of that night thing. But yeah, that must have been surreal because you have, you're in a band, you have this vantage point of seeing everybody, you know, when you're on stage and, and generally you can scan the room and look at people and they don't even notice you looking at them, but that's what you're doing. You're on stage, you're facing everybody. So that must have been kind of a surreal sort of, like you said about seeing these girls, like I'm a good 
boy, I know I didn't recognize anybody. And for real, like I didn't, there was, there was like one or two, like kind of super famous ones that were there that are like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of her and I recognize her. But other than that, like I didn't know anybody, which was worked to my advantage, I think, because I had to drive these girls all day and I couldn't be getting starstruck or the worst, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I mean, again, you know, because, uh, you know, in addition to, it's like, I, I, I mean, I recognize some of the, some of the faces, oh but at the same time I've been, you know, because of when I was in, when I, you know, working for Guitar World as well, you know, I did a lot of the, I did a lot of the cover, these buyer's guide shoots for my own, for one of the magazines where I, I used girls and, uh, I used, I used all, I used Playmates for the longest time. So Ooh. I, 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 I shot with a lot of them. I, I, I shot all of, you know, Hefner's um, Girls Next Door. I met them all, hung out with them. Um, I met almost just about every Playmate of the year from, from 2004 up until we stopped doing it around, around probably around 2011, 12, around that time, I think. Mm. All right, I already thought you had a charmed life, and now you're telling me this? And I've I I, I, been to the Playboy Mansion twice. Really? Three times, I think. Two, two or three times, I can't remember. So, wow. Yeah do shooting yeah and so i've seen it all so it was wow. very interesting times it's like xanadu um so <laughs> guitar so the so joy, the joy of being a guitar tech yeah editor. yeah so all right so you brought up guitar world you've been with guitar world as a tech editor for 25 plus years um you write uh, you've written a ton of articles do you even know how many you've written no, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's in the hundreds somewhere. In the hundreds, I'd say. And tons of videos, too, demo videos of showing off uh, gear. Um, so what got you, tell the story, what got you into one of the best music magazines there is, uh, especially for guitar players? How did that all get started? I mean, quite, I mean, really quite simple. I'll, I'll, I've said the story before, but it's, it's uh, you know, basically uh, I was in college and, uh, and I just, at the time, I think I was a teacher's aide, just on a part-time. I was doing odd jobs still. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, you know, my, um, my ex-wife said, you know, she was already in publishing and she had mentioned like, well, why don't you go into publishing? You know, I'm like, like guitar publishing, like, or like, you know, there's like, listen, like, don't you love, don't you read all those magazines you read? Don't, why don't you get into that? I'm like, and I literally like, what? Yeah, why? <laughs> what did I think of that? You know, it, it seemed so simple and so like in front of you, in front of me. I was just like, I didn't expect that. And so, the very next day, we I, I was at the like, remember those things? Um, and I picked up a copy of Guitar World and well, the magazines, and I looked and I noticed that Guitar World happened to be in New York City, and I was just like, holy shit! Well, look at that. I looked at the masthead and yeah, and found there in New York City. So, bought the magazine and. I came home and I literally the next day I was home by myself. I was in my underwear and not doing anything. You know, I just called up, I called up the number, the nice lady at the switchboard put me through. I don't know how, but she put me, I was like, I'm calling about the job for guitar. She goes, Oh yes, hold on a minute. Let me put you through. And I'm like, Whoa, this is crazy. All right. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the phone with a guy from guitar world and I go, and he, and he goes, hi, what's up? And he goes, hello. And I go, hi, I'm just calling about the job in guitar. And he goes, oh, did you see the, did you see our ad in the New York Times? And I go, no. all right. So, so there really wasn't a job listing. You were just calling and just saying, I'm calling about the job. Yeah, but there really well, was one, I guess it, but you didn't know well, about it. 
Yeah, I was cold calling, and so they right. said, that's yes. great. What a tactic. They thought I so they thought I saw the ad in the New York Times, and I'm just like, well, no, I haven't. I'm just calling to see, you know, if you have a job. And he goes, well, well, what are you looking to do? And I was like, well, I don't know anything you want to give me. And the guy laughed and he said, well, you need to be a little more specific, Paul. And I go, well, I don't know. I'm just like I said, I'm just looking for a job. He goes, he goes, I'll tell you what, dude. Why don't you just come come to the office next week for an interview, and we'll see what we can do. And I was like. And like I hung up the phone, I'm like, "Holy shit! I think I just landed an interview for Guitar World." And that's now, like Michael or Jay Fox in Secret of My Success. He just went into the company, is like, "Yeah, I work here," you know, got the tie on. And, <laughs> yeah, but go ahead, keep going. Yeah, well, I mean, well, pretty much. So to make keep I'll, to make a long story short, I went in for the interview and uh, I met two, the two guys who would be my boss in the ad point, uh, ad sales type of the publisher and the and the ad director. And so they kind of grilled me and like, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm just like, well, I don't know. I just like, they, they asked me all these questions and they were, they kind of digging what I was saying. And then I just said, you know, like, well, well, what, what can you know? What do you have to offer? And I was like, well, I can, I basically said I can name any guitar in the Fender catalog. And then, so the, so the publisher looks at me and goes, hmm, okay. And he pulls out the, he pulls out the catalog and he goes, what's this guitar? And I go, oh, it's the so-and-so Strat. And that's the so-and-so Telly. He goes, and he goes, hmm. And he hands it back and he goes, all right, cool. Uh, I'll see you next, uh, come back, uh, next week on Monday. You start on Monday. And I'm like, uh, like, uh, oh shit. Okay. And then I'm like, and then he looks at me and he goes, he looks at me, he stares at me for a second. He goes, and do me a favor that, and I go, what? He goes, that, what you're wearing. Don't show up that like that. I was wearing a suit. I go, well, I said, it's a suit. He goes, yeah, don't do that. I go, well, it's, that's how you're supposed to show up for interviews. You're supposed to show up in a suit, you know, like look presentable. He goes, yeah, it's like, no, just come, <laughs> come dress like a normal guy. Like, wow. Look so at that. Like, and that yeah. was, it was pretty much, pretty much like that. And it was, yeah. And then it, I, from there, it was just like, I started in, 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 as a production coordinator, I was dealing with a lot of the ad side of sales type of deal. And, uh, and then pretty soon I, you know, I would spend time, you know, back then, you know, Guitar World was pretty big back then. There was like, you know, a staff of like 25 guys there. And so, uh, and, uh, so it was, it was, it was great. You know, it was like a real, like, you know, like a real, you know, magazine, like you see in the, like, like again, like you see in movies, portrayed in movies and, you know, but it was such a dysfunctional place because it was so funny because it was a bunch of other magazines in this, in this, uh, public, this publication house. But anyway, it was like, at one point, you know, some of the guys that I, that I would sit in a cube with, I became really close and tight with. And one of them, you know, this guy, Tom Beaujour, uh, who, who's the author of, um, Nothing But a Good Time. Have you heard that book? I haven't read it now. New York Times bestseller. It's all about the eighties. You would love okay. it. Yeah. It's all, it's a, a perspective about that. And, uh, he just basically talked to one of my, to the, to my, the editor in chief. And he's like, he goes, you know, you gotta, take Paul from this out of sales and into editorial, you know, this is your guy. And so, and then from there and the rest is kind of history. And, and it was very weird because like, you have to keep in mind back then, like, you know, publishing was just publishing. And then suddenly um, there was that we, we got bought out by an English company and, and the English company basically started saying, you know, like the future is video and like this YouTube was just starting to, Gain right. and stuff like that. You know, this was during the all like, like I witnessed 
you know, the whole, the advent of Napster and all the crazy, you know, like file sharing and like everything. I got to see it all as it came down the pike. It's just crazy. And so then they were like, well, we're going to have to start doing videos. And and then like my boss goes, well, all these other guys, they look terrible. So you're going to be doing the video. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You're going to put your, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a camera guy. Just sometimes I'm, you know, I'd rather not be in front, but they're like, nope, we're going to do it. I'll, I'll sit there with you and I'll just hand you like cue cards and you just read off the cue cards. And, and it started very slowly like that. And then it just built and, you know, and so yeah, the more you do, the more comfortable you become with it. And yeah, like, you start to learn. And I started to yeah. learn quick. So, I mean, as far as, and as far as I know, I am probably the original YouTube guy on guitar. Like there was nobody else doing what I did, and that, I mean, yeah. now it's the whole the whole market. You know, is all flooded with influencers and prodigies mm. and, and great great talent. I'm not. I don't begrudge any of those guys. I think what they're doing is fantastic. Uh, I just you know, uh, but I but for what it's worth, I was the guy. I mean, a lot, and I had a lot of these guys come up to me and it's like, "You're the OG here." You know, That's you right. start. You pretty much. You you know, this is what I started doing. I started just copying sort of what you do, you know, and and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, now you're the, the expert. You're the pro out there. You look very comfortable on the videos yeah. that I've seen. I didn't go back to the beginning. So maybe <laughs> maybe those were the... the yeah. well, those, Thousands those, later, Steve. Those yeah. will be hard to find because a lot of those back then, you know, you know, back then we when that's when magazines were still putting CDs and so... Oh, yeah, went, went straight to CDs on magazines, and that's how you used to play these videos. And do you still have them? I have some, sure. I, 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 I just don't. But I'm not, I'm not voyeuristic that I can't. I just can't stand looking at myself. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like just, me and Tony, we love watching ourselves. Oh no, I can't. I'm like, I, I, I'm horrified by by. You get used to it. On. Yeah. No, you look great. You look very comfortable, and I mean, I, again. Uh, a dream job for just about any musician to be able to sample gear um, and, you know, well, you write about it, you make a video about it, and that's your job, and that's and you get to go to Playboy Mansion and do porn star gigs. <laughs> yeah. No, on, it, it, is, it is a bit of a, it is a, bit of a dream job. It, it's also good in the sense that, you know, I mean, I've, I'm, I've been very grounded about it because the thing is I'm very lucky. I, you know, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I consider myself, uh, you know, and a bit of an anomaly and, and very lucky that I kind of landed it. And, you know, I do take it with a bit of seriousness, but the other, you know, like the funny thing is I watch every, all these other guys who kind of do similar things that I do or, or take it to another level as being like these influencers and things like that. And God bless them. Go for it. You know, I always get, I sort of get like, kind of get hounded. Like, well, why don't you do more like that? I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> just, that's not me. You know, there, there, it takes a certain personality to be able to do that. I'm like, I am very comfortable just being very, being, doing what I do, re- retaining an air of mystery, uh, and pretty much doing the things that I would rather do. Like those guys are motivated. Like I always, I'm, the joke is I always say is that, you know, a lot of these guys have, or it's a constant, pressure to outdo yourself every time you know because when you put yourself out there like in this kind of a format where you're in front of people on on you know online and stuff like that people can you know your audience and 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 people who the online crowd could be incredibly cruel and 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 
vitriolic towards you and or just and critical, you know. And so and I know a lot of guys who who, who are very affected by that. And I'm just like, I, I to me, I don't I've been doing it for so long. I, it's like, you know, how many times can you can you sit there and just not just like just take shots at me? And I'm just like, I. I don't even mind it. I, you know, I actually encourage a lot of the, you know, the funny thing, like, like you can go ahead and take a shot at me and, and, and just make fun or criticize what I do, but at least be funny, you know, be, be, <laughs> right. be creative, be like, you right. know, be something funny that would, I that I would make me smile. I, I would love right. it. But yeah. Like, if you're going to insult me, at least let me laugh. Make me laugh. Be, um, be, be good at it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I think that's kind of, I, I know there's musicians that feel that way too, but, but musicians like us, like me and like Tony, you know, we've been in that, you know, scene for so long and being in public and see, letting people see you. And then online to me, it's no different. I just, I don't care. You know, if somebody says something bad about me, doesn't like me, I just don't care. The same as, you know, if I'm playing live and somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, I just don't care. I don't need... I don't even pay it any mind. So yeah, everyone has an opinion. So it's yeah. whatever it is, it is. But let's talk about playing live and this band now. Um, Super Trans Am, uh, the '70s concert experience. The top, some of the top players in Jersey. Um, James McGill. I've known you know James for years. I never played with James, yeah. uh, but I've known him you know in and around the music scene for years. Uh, Bobby August. I, I don't really know Bobby either. I met him a time or two. Uh, brilliant voice. I mean, just incredible singer and great bass player. And then Lance is the only one I've actually played with before in a band, which was with, uh, Walt Stacy and Bobby Lynch. Uh, we used to, there was a band called Outside Now and we played, this was around just before I moved to New Orleans, about 2008, 2009. And we were playing at the Seashell in, uh, LBI. Yep. Every Sunday afternoon, three to seven. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Lance played a couple of those gigs and that's how I, I, that's the only time I jammed with Lance and top notch musician. So, uh, you guys just played the Stone Pony last, uh, November and packed the house. And I saw some of the video. The band sounds outstanding. Uh, great song selection. I mean, how can you, that's your whole selling point is about seventies music and how great it was. You can't go wrong with, uh, picking the songs that you guys picked. How did all that come together and what's, to, let's talk about this band because it's, it excited. When I saw that first video or I heard about the band before, but when I saw the video of the Stone Pony and that crowd, I like, I was so happy about that. A cover band is packing the Stone Pony. What? Wow. Yeah. And now we've been doing well. I mean, we've been, we pretty much been just nearly, we're pretty much sold out to Stone Pony twice that we played there and we haven't usually get an opening band and things like that. Um, so Super Trans Am is a funny thing because, like, I, you know, since we're talking about the guys in the band, you know, I've known Bobby and I've known James. Well, I've known James the longest. I've known Bobby sort of uh, probably just as long, but we never really played together. Um, but Bobby is pretty much the orchestrator of, of all of it. Um, and he's really the mad, you know, he is the mad genius, the Oz uh, of, of Super Trans Am. Um, so with, with James... With James, it's always been like, uh, I've known we go back almost as long as probably me and you. Uh, and we've always joked that, oh, well, someday we're going to be playing a band together. And I was like, yeah, we'll get there in one day. And here we are playing the band together. Um, but Bobby came first in, in a way, in a very indirect way. So when I was in the monster, since we were talking about the monster earlier, uh, right, right, right after pretty much 2010 or 11, I pretty much, I got burnt out. 
on, on the cover scene. I, I was just, I was done. I was like, I remember I got to the point where I got to the point where, you know, sometimes you, you know, as, as somebody plays out all the time, sometimes when, when you, before you do a gig, your band members hand you your, your set list and you scan the set list and you go, all right. I don't want to play any of these songs. <laughs> you know, right, right. Oh, this song I like. I hate this fucking song. I hate this song. I'll have fun on this song. You know, you kind of scan the list. It got to the point where I scanned the list and I looked at this list and I go, I hate every one of these fucking songs. Yeah. I don't want to play these songs ever again. Yeah. And that was pretty much it for me. So, and a lot of it was just like, I didn't want to play, you know, I didn't want to play Damn It, you know, anymore. I didn't want to play you know, pour some sugar on me and I was done, done. Like, so, um, anyway, I quit. I basically took a year. I said, I'm going to take a year off just to kind of recalibrate. And of course, the minute I took that year off, I got the calls from like every band in the tri-state area. They're like, Hey man, I heard you just left. And like, we we got the best band for you. I go, Oh yeah. What are you playing? Well, we do pour some sugar on me. (laughs) I go, I go, Nah, nope. That was it. So anyway, Bobby August calls me sideways because I'd known Bobby from some other bands. And he goes, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a new band. We're doing all we're all doing all modern country. We're doing country and modern country. And I go, huh? And he goes, and everybody says you're the guy. And I'm going and I go. Me? Like, like, I make fun of this music. This is ridiculous. This, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not playing any red dirt road and, you know, lying and cheating and stealing, you know, and drinking. And I'm just like, and they're like, no, no, dude. We're like, you know, you should just come. And I go, all right, let me, let me think about it. And I, and, and I, and I, and I told Bobby, I was like, okay, well, um, Bobby's like, listen, if you, if this is not for you, just come to the audition. I, I got a whole bunch of players. I assembled everybody. If it's not for you, no harm, no foul. Just, you know, walk away. You can walk away. No, I won't th- think of you any less. And I go, you know, that's pretty cool. And so he sends me a CD of all the songs. And I listened, started listening to the stuff. And I started listening to country. And I go, I put the first song. And I go, oh, this is, this is interesting. There's some really great guitar playing here. And then I'm like, suddenly I started diving deep into it. And I show up for the audition. You know, I show up when we get the band together. And it's just suddenly like the chemistry was there. And we and I was just like, and that birthed the band Radio Nashville. Which I was just going to say Radio Nashville, and that's with uh, so. It, but that's with Joey. So that's uh, with, that was with Joey, who goes back to the Janet days. Yeah, know. Joey, I've known yeah since uh, when Janet and I. Janet was doing solo gigs, and this was back in the late late nineties, early two thousand. She was uh, we we played in New York City a lot, and Joey was playing guitar, and. Uh, we had, uh, I think Al Bud was playing drums and, uh, 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 gosh, did we have Rob maybe even Rob Carton might've been playing keyboards with us. Yeah. Um, and I remember Phil Pacheco was around and this, and he was playing guitar. Uh, but yeah, Joey. And then, and then I worked with Joey later too in a band and called Mr. Caboose, yeah. which was Will from Big Orange Cone. And I can't remember, uh, uh, the drummer from Big Orange Cone too. What was his name? I can't Dennis. remember. Dennis. No, no, not Dennis. Uh, not Big Arts Cone. A uh, drummer from, uh, uh, anyway. And that was, that lasted only a little while. And then eventually, like soon after that, I moved to New Orleans. But yeah, Radio Nashville. Are, are you guys still playing? We, we were up until last year, uh, but we lost our singer. So now we are currently a, a, a singer list. So we're, right now we are just figuring out what we're going to do next. But it's been hard because Super Trans Am has blown up. 
in that has, has been very busy. So anyway, so Bobby started with Radio Natural. So we did that for, for a couple of years. And then Bobby and the other members of the band had to bow out because Bobby decided that, you know, he, he wanted to do this more full time, you know. And so he just created a band called Garden State Radio that did all very like radio pop, all like the cutting edge. And Bobby, what Bobby did is he built a show into the whole, like a stage show into the music. So put that aside for a moment. And so when we, Isn't I did PJ so, playing bass in that band too. PJ said, uh, I, I guards, I don't think radio. No, PJ Zitarosa was playing guitar. I remember in that band, not PJ Farley. Yeah. PJ Zitarosa was the original guitar player for garden state radio. When, yeah. when Bobby left radio Nashville. And so he handed the keys over to me and Joey and then me and Joey basically got a whole, got a whole bunch of new members and we kept the band going for, you know, you know, well over like just about 10 years. Right. Wow. And yeah, and it was great. I had, I was, it was fun for me. It was perfect. Cause I just, I like, I, I, I went head, you know, head first into country. I love playing country and I love listening to the music. I mean, I know all that stuff now. And what are and, some of your favorites? Some, any favorite artists or guitar players in particular? Um, I mean, without a doubt, Keith Urban, Keith Urban was my gateway drug. I'm like, God damn that motherfucker. He can play, huh? He's great. Yes. Yeah, so like, stylistically, Paul, how'd you find that as another perspective into your playing? Right. Cause like you oh, said, well, you're not a country guy. You're a complete opposite of that. Right. Well, so, I mean, I always had a bit of the country thing going on. I did a lot of the double because I'm, I was always a huge Southern rock fan. So I found a lot of the, a lot of the same moves that Southern rock uses in country. So there, and so it like, honestly, country is like the last modern country, at least is the last bastion for really great guitar playing. There's, I mean, you don't really find it much in rock anymore. Mm. So, you listen to some of the country stuff and there's some just wicked guitar playing in it. And, you know, Keith Urban's one of those guys, Brad Paisley. Is I was going to say Brad Paisley's great he's, player. He's a monster. He just, like, he's so devastating, devastatingly good. Um, just a bunch of other guys, just little things here and there, but like a lot of the stuff that you hear, a lot of session, session guys who are just so good. But if you listen to a lot of the guitar playing, like in a lot of the modern country stuff or, or and just, or just the, just the, um, musical arrangements. There's so much going on. Like, at, like I'll, I'll give you an example for uh, like you know when you look at like you know when you play like something like Blink 182 or like any of the any of the current stuff. You know, like you know, I would listen to it by ear and I go, okay, first verse he's just rocking, he's just playing straight. That get to the second verse, oh yeah, he's playing pretty much the same thing he's done this you know from the first verse. You know, it's like everything is just linear and 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 repetitive, right? You get to country and you start listening, you start getting into like, okay, you listen to like a Keith Urban song and you're like, first verse, he's playing this one guitar line. You're like, okay, got it. And then you, when he gets to the second verse, you think he's doing the exact same thing. He's like, oh no, he totally is playing something entirely different in the second verse than he did from the first verse. Like a couple notes, he moves, he moves notes here and there, or they, they change voicings and you're just like, motherfucker, these guys are great. They're so, it's like when they say the country stuff is so slick. It's fucking slick. And the production is always t- top notch on it. Like drums yeah. are always big and fat. They're not stepping on anything. And yeah. you know, it's funny you said about like guitar players, uh, about the rock thing. It's like my youngest son, he, he, you know, he's really into, he plays all the instruments behind me, but mm-hmm. he'll listen to like Lindsey Buckingham 
or yeah. Jackson Brown, you know, and he'll and he'll say, "Man, you don't realize how great of guitar players these guys are stylistically for what they do." Like mm-hmm. Lindsey Buckingham with the with the thumb, you know, with the finger picking and the different, you know, shapes that he uses, right? And like you said, it's you know, you start to dive into these things and you get exposed to it and you start to pay attention. And like you said, it's like, oh yeah, he's not playing the same thing every time. It's yeah. slightly different, or he's playing a different melody on top of yeah. that, or he's got three other guitars layered into there, you know, with the mandolin in the background. It's just yeah. like very textured. So it's, no, it's musically, so cool. the country guys are the country guys are on point. There's a lot of stuff. Dude. Like you can't be a slouch in country. There's no, I mean, like you can't kind of just fake it. You can, I mean, if the yeah, you got to be an active participant. <laughs> well, yeah, the only way to kind of fake it is to sit out <laughs> I mean, and let some of the other guys <laughs> kind of fill in the space. But that's really, but that was the one thing I loved about being in being in Radio Nashville is the is which it made me appreciate being a musician even more because of the like it was the first time I didn't feel like I was competing with you know with the drums or the bass, like everyone had a particular space. No one was banging over each other, you know, in volume or like clanging and clanging over each other. It was a lot of open stuff. So you actually, it was like the one band where I get to, I heard every instrument. I heard like, you know, the singing, and the singing is so good in it. There's like, so you're really concentrating on like the the harmonies and, and, and and some of them and the melodic kind of things that figures that you're playing underneath some, some of the songs. So it's that sonic clarity, like you said, because you're not all the frequencies yeah. aren't getting, you know, squashed and eaten up by all the other noise. So but, as a so as a musician, I was very fulfilled being in, in Radio National, and so 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 keep that in mind. So like I you know I was just drilling along, I was just doing other you know other things, and then Bobby calls me up, you know, a few years ago, right before COVID, and he goes, "Hey, I'm I'm starting a new band." And you're in it, and I want, and we're, and, and you're in it. Me and James are starting this new band, and you're in it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, oh, well, what is it? And he goes, well, we're doing, um, you know, all '70s stuff. And then I was just like, I'm on the phone, and I'm a little like, well, I gotta be honest, Bobby. I'm like, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I know all those songs, you know, like the back of my hand, you know, and like, but I've just done it so many times. I'm not sure if I'm really interested in doing this kind of thing. He goes. Yeah, no, I know, but like, with like, but you know, me and James, we're we're not looking for anybody else. We're looking for you to be in the band. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't give you a choice. Yeah, you know, like, we're like, in the I'm band. Like, I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I and and lit- I'm and I'm not joking. I literally, I'm so I'm on the I'm on the uh, well, okay. And he sends me the list, and I look at the list, and I go, all right. And I'm on the phone. And I'm like, all right, let me tell you what. I'm gonna let me chew on these songs and 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 what you're what you're gonna do here, and. uh and I'll and I'll get back to you on what what I want to do this or not. And he's like, yeah, no problem, you know, whatever. Like, you know, just think about it. And I and I go and then I go, oh, wait, hold on, before I hang up, what's the what do you what are you thinking of calling this band? He goes, oh, we're gonna call it Super Trans Am. And I literally like I'm I'm like I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> nice, nice. And so, so there's no uh, copyright issues with that name since it's a, it's a you know Chevy. Nobody, nobody, nobody. No, because it's an automotive thing versus uh, entertainment. You yeah. know what I mean? So you're not if, – if they were building a car and they wanted to call it Super Trans Am, they'd have a yeah. problem. It could be short for something, too. You could be, say, Trans America or – It could be anything, you know, like – but, like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't – because we don't – we're not really associating the actual – I think Pontiac is super is a Super yes. Trans Am. Oh, it's a Pontiac. So, yeah, yeah. So it's Pontiac not like – 
So it's not like we're calling it the Pontiac Super Trans Am band. You know, it's sort of like we're not, it's yeah. just Super Trans Am is just sort of the, the name. But um, anyway, so fast forward to when we kind of like, we just got together and we just like, we just like, oh, here we like, we got the players. And, and the funny thing is just, I've never played with Lance. You know, I, it's funny. He was the only guy I did not know on the scene. And we, we kind of knew a bunch of other people. It's funny that you knew him and I didn't. And, but anyway, so Lance was the first time I met and, and, and we just got together and we literally just like, we played like maybe two or three songs and it was just like, it was so easy. Like everyone was on point. It's like, it was just like, I was like, yeah, this is, this is amazing. It's going to be amazing. And like, and it's funny how all like, you know, between the, our voices, we all, we all have the, we all sit in a perfect register where, where it's gotten so good. Like when we rehearse in, in the sense that sometimes we'll play uh, the, the, the great thing about the band is we'll play and, and we'll, we'll, we'll play something. And there's really no ego in the sense that we'll play something. And then we're like, uh, okay, that sounded really good. But how about this? How about I take your harmony? You take my harmony. Let's just, let's see if it like the blend. We all about trying to find the right blend of where mm. the vocals, just listening to the timbre of our voices. And sometimes it just works out that like if we just swap a harmony between two guys, it just makes a world of difference because a lot of bands, you know, and you're, you know, and a lot of people who probably watch this can, like a lot of guys in the bands just tend to sit there and they're like, well, I'm always doing this harmony and you're always doing that harmony. It's like, no, mess around. Yeah, fit, you know, it fits yeah. for your voice, right? What you can most easily well, sing best. Well, we'll find where we're used to where where, where you said we're like we're like well that guy actually sounds better in this lower register for this song, but he sounds better in a higher register for that song. You know, it just it's being able to to have that very uh, being able to quickly swap out parts and yeah. start and and listen to how how you can make something work and make it sound even better. There's an endless supply of just being able to tweak songs or. And hearing how you can make something really better, and and Super Trans Am has been just wonderful in that respect. That we just we just we're just able to do it. It's just I hate to tell people that it's just that, it, but it's so easy with this band. It's just like everyone is on point. We're all kind of at that age too, where we're all you know we're just a little tired and like of arguing and whatever, and we we just know it so yeah. well. And you just do what works, you know, you work with your friends, you're, these are your friends and, and your brothers and you just work with them and, and there's never an ego. It's like, yeah, you know, let's, let's make it the best it can be and do what works. And what's great about your band too is everybody sings. Yeah. And that's, that's key. And I know that playing in New Orleans too, the bands that I play with, when there's a lot of vocals, when there's options for different singers, it really makes it a lot more fun and sound fuller and better. So congratulations on that. Um, I, I put up the, let me see, I got the banner here for anybody who wants to check out your band, supertransam.com. Um, I know you, it looked like you had a show scheduled for March, I think, Stone Pony, right? We're back at the Stone Pony and we're, and we're probably giving a, getting a residency down at Resorts Casino in AC towards the end of the, really? Of, uh, nice. These, yeah. So make sure you get the one where the strippers hang out. Or, you know. <laughs> The, the or where they have the adult expo this way you can re right. rekindle the memories that's right um, but if you ever seen i don't know if you've seen our if you ever seen the you should check out our super trans am promo video that's the one that i did see it it's on the website um so people can check that out let me put it back on the screen here so people but that's always that was a lot of fun people always ask me about like whether the, a lot of that stuff is real or like we just kind of created that we just sort of, but that's the big thing about that was the other element of Super Trans Am that was really like took it over the top was that so not only do we 
do the music really spot on and, and convincingly well. But we also, we tie it into a show. So there's a whole visual aspect of, you know, we have the whole screens behind us where right. Bobby just sort of, you know, he assembles all this video footage of 70s nostalgia, like commercials and, and TV shows and music. And so, hey, like, the best way I can describe one of my be- one of my best friends came out to see me play, and he was just like, you know, we'd be playing a song, and he we'd be playing it, and he had, and he had the actual video of the song from the 70s synced up. Well, it kind of synced up, but we're not because we're not on any we're not on any click tracks or anything like that. We're pretty okay. much, we're pretty much, you know, just you know, free fall, you know, just free floating. We're just playing. And who runs all the video, Paul? Who, Bobby? Uh, Bob, Bobby does it through like a computer uh, off to the side of the stage. But he brings all the screens and he sets everything up for the show. Like he, oh. he brings all that with him. Yeah, the band, the band owns all, well, the band owns all these, the screen and a light, lighting show. We have huge, we have, we have fire, we have smoke, we're going to have bubbles. Uh-oh. Yeah, we wow. have all, we have the whole shebang. If you come see us, it's like, you're literally seeing like people come, uh, some guy said to me after a show, he goes like, you guys are not just a cover band, you're a, you're a show. And so right. like, yeah. so I was just like, I was like, yeah, it's pretty right. And then like I said, my other friend, he would watch us play and he goes, he goes, I was like, Paul, I, I don't, don't take this the wrong way. I, I'm not sure whether I want to, I want to watch you guys or, or the video behind. <laughs> because yeah, so you much guys, cool stuff, right? <laughs> because you guys, you guys are like hitting the chorus when you, when the band, when the, when the video, like when Journey hits the chorus, you're hitting the chorus. It's just, it's uncanny. So yeah. that's really cool, man. I, I hope to get up to Jersey and see you guys at some point and maybe even jam with you at some point in my life. Because as long as I've known you, I don't think we've actually played together ever. That's because Paul doesn't really like people sitting in with the band. <laughs> I know. I tried 25 years ago. All right. Let's go. I, you know, I could have got lucky that night, Paul. You know, it's just. You have me to blame. You have he could have in- introduced you to some of the girls who were driving to the airport. I mean, you might have missed out on a big opportunity. You never know. Paul. You never know. You know. Um, all right, that was that's that was a quick hour. We got to wrap it up. Yeah, but Paul, great. yeah, Paul, thanks so much for coming in, coming on here with us. Um, you can stick around. We're going to close the show, but you can stick around for a minute too. Um, but again, check out Paul, um, tech editor of Guitar World magazine. Check out all of his amazing videos on online on YouTube. But just Google his name, and you, the videos come up. And then check out uh, all of his work with Super Trans Am and, you know, follow him on the socials and, and whatnot. And uh, thanks again, Paul, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you yeah, for having show, me. Yeah, great show, Paul. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And we will, uh, we will see you all next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.